Hi, Sebastian Hussein here. You're listening to an archived episode of STEM Wars. You can find newer episodes of STEM Wars at stemwars.buzzsprout.com. That's S-T-E-M-O-I-R-S dot buzzsprout.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else your favorite podcasts are. Thanks very much for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of PodQuest. We're the official podcast of the Quest Solar Energy Engineering Research Center. I'm Joe Karras. And I'm Sebastian Hussein. And today we're on the main campus of Arizona State University in Tempe, Arizona. We're here to share the inside story of solar energy research. Trying to uh, generate interest in these electrifying behind-the-scenes solar tales, aren't we, Joe? Yes, we are. (laughs) Um... Okay, so uh, today we are bringing you the one and only Pablo Cole, who's a PhD student in the Bertoni Defect Lab at Arizona State University. Hi, Pablo. Hello. I believe that's Pablo Guimera Cole. Guimera. Guimera. I'm going to pause it. That was close. Guimera. Got it. Okay. There we go. Guimera Cole. Nice. So, uh, yeah, how you been, man? You just got back from uh, the Canary Islands not too long ago. Yeah, I came back last week. I mm. spent there almost three weeks okay. with my lady, yeah. visiting my family and my friends. Yeah. So it was really nice to spend some time with them and forget about the rest of the world, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's that's where you're from, where you grew up. and. Yeah, I was born and raised in the Canary Islands. There's some islands in the south of Spain, like two hours south of Spain, mm. mainland. Only like 50, 100 miles off the coast of Western Sahara in Africa. Mm. So pretty close. And yeah, and then went to school in Madrid and then I came to the U.S. after that. Right, you did your uh, master's program in, in Kansas, Kansas State? Yeah, I did my undergrad and my master's in Kansas State University. Okay. Yeah, so I spent there quite a few years living the dream in Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, great. So what did you do? So so you studied what? As a well, I, I, was, I went to Madrid, University in Madrid. Uh, I was doing physics. And my last year, I got a like a scholarship to go to the U.S. and study for exchange program for one year. I see. And I did it in Kansas State University. But then I started working with the women's basketball team there for whatever reasons. <laughs> <laughs> because I was a coach in Spain, that's what I meant. Okay. And they offered me to stay longer. And I stayed one more year for my undergrad in physics, mm-hmm. too. And I got it, and then they offered me to stay for my master's. So I stayed for my master's in materials physics. Uh, I was doing nanotechnology for, for my master's, like research. And then after that, I looked for a PhD, and then I came to ASU. Right, because uh, now you're also working for uh, the same professors I am, Mariana Bertoni. Yeah, how did you guys get, get in touch? How did you find out how to contact her and things? Yeah, well, when I was in my studying my last year of my master's, as I said, I was doing nanotechnology, and I really liked it. I loved it. But it wasn't something that I think that I, w- I wanted to do for a long time. And I always wanted to do solar energy because where I'm from, we have a lot of sun, and I always thought it was the right thing to do. And I started to look for schools and professors that they were doing research on solar. And I found a few schools, and I contacted them, and one of them was ASU. That was one of the best in the U.S. because I want to stay in the U.S., obviously. And I found Mariana Bertoni. I sent her an email. She replied. And then we talked on the phone. 
uh, for like what 40 meals an hour and then we kind of I think I really like how she was and then I arranged a trip to SU right. to visit and that's how it all happened cool yeah. yeah it was really interesting so you said something about the you know wanting to stay in the US um, can you talk about that like I mean you came to the US for a reason that you ended up just sort of staying and, and you know what what drove that decision and um mainly my professional ambition i okay. will say so i sort of ambition and competitive even though if i play sports and competitive as you guys know <laughs> since we all play soccer together <laughs> but also outside that i like to like achieve things and the best way to do that was to stay in the u.s that's where you get the be- most of the best research best universities mm-hmm. and my chances to achieve something bigger were better in the U.S. than somewhere else. And that's the main reason why I came here and why I stayed. So um, it's hard to be away from the family that much. Sure. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of a, I mean, we have lots of international students all over, you know, universities and grad schools in the U.S. all over the place. And this is maybe something that people don't talk about so much is how tough it is to be, you know, yeah, and so far from home for for you know and, and able to go back so rarely. Yeah, that's true. I I'm lucky because I can get back home once, twice a year, and that's is that's a lot compared to other students from other countries that they cannot leave the country for visa issues. Right. So I'm lucky in that sense. But it's true that most, during a PhD, when you have like those low moments that nothing is working, and we all have that, that yeah. for months that you try and nothing happens, and you still have friends here, but it's not the same as your family so it's kind of sometimes you talk to them on Skype or on the phone and they try to help you out but sometimes you you miss that kind of connection and bonding with your family to support you in those moments I would say that's yeah probably the hardest but I can't complain too much compared to other (laughs) people that's true that spend years and years without seeing their family at all Um, so we talked about why you're here now let's talk about maybe what it is that you actually do in the lab yeah so when I first came here I had no idea what I was supposed to do okay so well, I enrolled in ASU and I said al- you are yeah. not alone yeah it's right standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah when I first came to visit Mariana Bertone, Dr. Bertoni she told me a little bit what a few ideas that she had but mm-hmm. she never told me that that's what she wanted me to do and I came here and she told me this is my idea this is what I want to prove and let's try to figure it out because it was a really it's a, it was a project that was really really early mm-hmm. just a, like an idea nothing else developed so um, she told me that uh, do you want me to get specific I can get specific yeah sure yeah. whatever Absolutely. you're comfortable yeah. talking about do, yeah. do it as specific as you feel yeah sure um, the, so in, in solar energy when you have a solar panel on the roof yeah. They are made of usually of these silicon wafers right. that are really thin. That's, those are the materials that get the light from the sun and then converts into electricity so we can use it. And these wafers, the way that we get these wafers is that we get some silicon from the mine, then some processing, and then we melt it, and then we kind of let it solidify in a huge like column or yeah. ingot, it's called. Yep. Yeah. So, and then they, what they do, they just get a saw, like made of diamond pretty much and they just chop it like chopping wood right 
Like a cheese wire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's pretty cool if you see how they do it. Like, yeah. But the problem, the problem there is that the thickness of these wires that cut have the same thickness as the wafers you are cutting. So the same way when you're cutting wood and you have this dust, like the wood dust, yeah. you have the same with the silicone. Right. And that's a big... It's almost 50% of the material is lost in that process. And they can't just simply make the, the wires thinner or smaller? Or? It's, it's really complicated. And then the, they're really fragile also, the wafers that you obtain, so you have to be really careful and trying to reduce the, these thicknesses much harder. Sure. So people have... In, and you cannot reuse the silicone that you cut, like this dust. So it's a it's waste. So we are trying to find other ways how to cut these ingots. And that's what, uh, that's what I'm doing now, using a technique that is called spalling, that uh, kind of takes advantage of the property of a silicon. And the way we do it, we get the silicon, we bond it to a, like a metal layer, like aluminum. Like, like the aluminum foil that you have in, to cook mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you cool it down and for different properties of the aluminum the aluminum and the silicon this creates like a lot of tension on the silicon and it kind of breaks the silicon in a thin layer okay. the same way as cutting but with only using low temperatures and you don't have any of the, the sawdust in yeah. case it's so just, it's, it's just like you you clean cut it's just at one atom bonding between atoms and so you don't have any waste right but the technology is not developed yet. So we're trying to improve how to make this technology uh, more efficient and, and cost-effective so we can replace the classic diamond soil in the, in the industry right now. Sure. So that's kind of the idea that we're trying to, to do over here. Um, so this, this sawdust, they call it, they call it kerf? Curve. Yeah. Why do they call it that? Well, I I'm not okay. I have no either, no idea for <laughs> okay. that. All right. Yeah. Know. So all these technologies are called curveless technologies, right. and that's the spalling that I just and mentioned. There are, there are other ideas on how to do curveless yeah. wafering as well. Yeah. So one really interesting idea is using uh, the they deposit some hydrogen. So implantation is called mm-hmm. hydrogen implantation, and they get this huge machine that bombards with hydrogen atoms basically a proton beam i think yeah Yeah. so and what they happen these atoms you can introduce the atoms at the the depth that you want and that creates a line of like weakness in the material that is going to be really easy to remove after and this is a really cool technique it works pretty well but is highly expensive and energy consumption is really high so that's why we go on another way to mm. try to do it. And there are more ways to that people have tried carefulness, but we believe that this one is the most promising one, and that's why we're trying to develop it. And, and so the, the kerf loss, and that's a pretty substantial... Like, if you could do kerfless wafering, like, what? how much is that worth? Well, it, it, you know? we're talking about, like, probably 40% of material that you are losing during the, okay. the process. That's a lot. So, so you're nearly doubling your yield. Yeah. So instead of right. instead of making, let's say, in an ingot 40 wafers, let's put that way, you can actually make like 60 wafers, something right. like that. I think or even more, sorry, more. Yeah. And another interesting thing, too, probably, that you, you might be able to figure out is you can probably achieve even thinner wafers than uh, some of the saw technology, potentially. Yeah, and that's another of the huge advantages of this process. With the diamond saw, it's been proven that it's really hard to go to thinner wafers because 
the the market is going to thinner wafers because you use less material for the same amount of energy that you get from that or right. same amount. Some but we have to actually figure out how to make the wafers. Yeah, and it actually makes any sense. And the beauty of spalling of this technique is that we said that we attach this silicon to the aluminum foil, mm. and the cool part is that if you change the thickness of this foil, the aluminum foil, you can actually change the thickness of the wafer you are cleaving or spalling from the big ingots. Mm-hmm. So you can tune these materials to get the wafer of the thickness that you want. And people have done 30 microns, that r- usually the wafers are around 180 microns, yeah, right. somewhere around there. Which people have done 30 microns, well, 100 microns. So you can actually tune the, the thickness, and that's the beauty of And so, so for reference... 100, 200 microns, we usually say, is like... The thickness of like a mani- hair or so. Or 200 microns is like manila folder, sort of, mm. right? Like like, yeah. like card stock. Sure. And then uh, human hair is like 50 microns 50, or something. Yeah. So we're talking about yeah, really yeah, thin like stuff. Thinner than human hair. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's why in the spawning process we have to be really precise mm. on how to make a smooth surface and that's what we're working on to make as smooth as possible so yeah so how what progress have you made so far and what's what, any big results or achievements so far? yeah actually in, in June we went to this conference called PVSC that's right. the main conference yeah, for Triple E uh, Triple E like right. for takes in the US uh, we present a new method that we just we just created in the lab and the problem that with this, as I said, the smoothness of these wafers that we're getting is crucial, is really important. And this smoothness depends on the velocity as that you are actually breaking this wafer, cleaving or spalling. Mm-hmm. And we, for the first time, we have been able to develop a way to measure this velocity that you are actually cleaving the, the wafers. Uh, we present in the IEEE, and we have plenty of companies and universities interested in our method that they want to try. So it was really novel and innovative. And that could give us a good insight of how fast can we cleave, how, right. s- how uh, slow we, ha- we should do it, and see and correlate that to the smoothness of the wafers or the roughness. Right. So that was really interesting. We, it was a crazy idea. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that happens a lot. You have a crazy idea, you try, you try, it doesn't work, and then suddenly one day, after all the hard work, yeah. it works. So uh, what's what's the next step, the next crazy idea, if you're allowed to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now we are trying to use other, uh, let's uh, say how I put it. Mm. Then <laughs> the, when we do this spalling technique, uh, we use low temperatures, but the problem that we don't control the velocity that I was talking about is really hard to control. It goes really fast and it's hard to control with these measurements, mm. with these instruments and stuff. So we're trying to use now other ways to control this propagation. Mm. Uh, speed it up, slow it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we want to speed up, slow it down. We don't know yet mm-hmm. what we need exactly, but we're working on that and using other things like... Uh, the way that you can actually mechanically pull, like uh, just a little tape on top of it, and just uh-huh. just pull by yourself manually, using sound stuff like that. Crazy ideas that we are trying to develop, but it's nothing for sure yet. Great. So, 
It's, uh, yeah, a pretty exciting time. Um, I know that you guys also just recently won uh, the Sunshot uh, funding, the yeah. PVRD2, I believe. Yes. So congratulations on oh, that. thank that's, you. That's a good amount of funding, at least for the next year or so. Yeah, so. yeah, that was, we, last year we got uh, funding for one year. Is this SIPS project. That means that it's small, innovative projects. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of high-risk, high-reward projects. As I said, we're crazy, so we do crazy <laughs> stuff. So they only they give us funding for one year, and after that year we present our results and stuff, and they I guess they really liked it, so they give us they give us funding for one more year mm. to keep developing this idea to the next level. So that was really fun, really fun. So until next year we have funding to buy our fancy tools and <laughs> to pay salaries and all this stuff. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for that too. Yeah. <laughs> and get some uh, modeling expertise, simulation expertise. Yeah, yeah, that's one of yeah. that's one of the main things that we do. <laughs> I do a lot of experimental part, but I'm struggling more with the modeling, like how mm-hmm. to predict the behavior of these things. Right. So we may get we may be getting help from professional people that actually do this for a living. Sure. So that would be at least to teach me how to do it and. I think it will be much faster, the advances that we make. Yeah. So you mentioned sound. And this leads us to this NSF thing that you participated in, like, last year, right? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Well, less than two years ago. I why, don't, two years why don't we just let you tell the story? Oh, my. What it is and... and <laughs> this crazy idea that we are basing all my research, my thesis, my PhD. Mm. Um, there was this... Um, this competition right. at the because we are an ERC an engineering research center that right. were funded by the NSF the National Science Foundation and and we there are like 20 around the US I think yeah. around 20 22 now I 22 something now. like that I think 20 some and they're like biology chemistry physics all these different engineering right. cyber science. security yeah, yeah. Sure. so each of them is different we are the one with solar and this competition was based on it's called the perfect pitch right. and you have to present an innovative idea in 90 seconds so you have a minute and a half to make decide to tell this idea yeah. with only one slide a powerpoint slide right so you have to be really concise to the point and tell them what is why you need that why it's good and what's the impact that you're making and in quest in our research center we make a small competition internal competition with students for all the universities that we that belong to Quest right. and that was maybe September in 2015 and I got the chance to win I it was really exciting so I finished first and the winner of each ERC they traveled to Washington DC uh, like a month later mm-hmm. and have the national competition right so one of one representative of each ERC was there right and it was really cool. We had during the morning one day we had a competition in a small in a hotel room, mm-hmm. but and then they told us who were the three top finalists. They didn't okay. tell us who won. And the same day in the afternoon we went to the Capitol Hill mm-hmm. in front of congressmen, congresswoman, politicians. I don't know. There were more than two hundred people there. Wow! Wow! In a super fancy ballroom in the Capitol Hill, <laughs> and the top three finalists gave this this the pitch again uh, and delivered the pitch again and I was the one of the top three and when they said the top three I was the last one so the first two and then like okay I'm not gonna make it that's alright and then on the same my name it was really exciting 
And I was with Genevieve, that's another of the, well, the, yeah. the, uh, the Quest president at the time for the student right, yeah. counseling. We were there and we like, were so excited about it. And then in the afternoon when I gave the pitch again in front of all these fancy people. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really exciting because, I don't know, I'm from a small town in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so... <laughs> I <laughs> that's mostly made up of an active volcano it seems <laughs> yeah it's just a volcano we yeah. live in a volcano so if it goes bananas yeah. we, just, yeah. we just go back yeah, we go down and I was in the finals I was I remember a girl from Tennessee a guy from Harvard and myself mm-hmm. and that we were waiting for the results and everybody was we were like a first row and everybody was behind us and they were telling well this is a perfect fit blah 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 and uh, with Congress woman, congressman, it was really cool. And the, the first, the uh, third position, it was the girl from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I saw myself with this guy from Harvard Med School. Yeah. That he was just, he was super nice. I, all of them were really nice. Right. But I was thinking, oh, okay, that was fun. Like, second mm-hmm. is really good. Like, <laughs> I wasn't even expecting to win. <laughs> but then there's a second position, and they say his name. And I just... It took me a few seconds to kind of <laughs> figure out what happened. Process of elimination. Yeah, yeah when they say his name, I was a little, wait, wait, wait. What? Yeah, why is Genevieve <laughs> patting you well, on the back? Right, already? Right, what's so I kind of look around and I saw some of the other participants in the morning that we mm-hmm. bonded. And they were looking at me like, and I give me like this cheer and I was, I think I just won. But I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so then when they come in and went up and they gave me a trophy the, one of the congressmen came to give me the check because they give you this big check like, yeah. that was really <laughs> cool <laughs> that yeah and because in, in Spain we see this movie all, we watch these American movies all the time <laughs> and we see these big checks the, the, the big novelty yeah. check yes yeah. and we don't have that in Spain we have to pull for that stuff <laughs> Uh, so when American I s- dream, yeah. yeah, that's an American dream. <laughs> to win, a, win an oversized check. Yeah, <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite part when they give me a check <laughs> with my name and everything. Yeah. But then I asked them if I could keep the check, and they say no. We had to reduce it for other competitions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sharpie that they wipe <laughs> off. It, it was yeah. actually yeah, it was that's sharpie. Really funny. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but in the picture you cannot yeah. tell the sharpie. Right. So it's fine. Yeah, don't it shatter the dream. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was. But this had really really funny story about after the whole thing. After the competition, I got this big trophy, and they gave me this super nice case to bring it back to Arizona because we keep it until the next. Person oh, really? wins, yeah, yeah, right. so this is still hanging around here uh, until next spring. And they give me a trophy, we put it on the case, and then we have some little booth stand, so we had to pick it up. And we were leaving, and we were one of the last leaving. So we left, and when we were halfway to the hotel, I was with Genevieve and Christiana, our yeah. ERC director. We're like, uh, Wait, what is the trophy? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we look around we all forgot the trophy in the in the Capitol Hill so it was super hard to get back so I had yeah. to run back <laughs> get in explain the security Hello, people yeah. Yeah, with my accent you can tell like they were yeah. I don't trust this guy <laughs> so then I mean yeah. uh, we were looking everywhere oh, man. it wasn't there in the ballroom it wasn't in the lost oh, and found no. I was like going through these tunnels within this building in the capital yeah wow yeah it was so like a movie they do have like, like underground tunnels right. that connect all the yeah they do they do to the, right. 
So I wasn't looking at all of them. They tend to fight for this trophy. Ignore the few like, uh, do not enter signs there. There's like senators not, looking no. at you. Like, what yeah. is this guy? It was late, so there was no, I didn't see any senators. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're having fun. Yeah. But then I was freaking out. I, was, I lost it. And they just gave it to me. I just lost it. And I contact everybody, send a few emails. And then a few days after, they told me, oh, no, no, we took it because nobody, somebody left it there. I was like, yeah, it was us. Sorry. <laughs> So they had to ship it here. Yeah. And they shipped the whole case. And that was bad. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah. That was a good story. <laughs> yeah. And now it's here in the fancy display case where I think we've stacked a couple of Keithley instruments yeah. Yeah. on top like of covered each other. Up by so. some lab equipment now. Yeah. But yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's in the memory. It's where it yeah. goes. No, that's cool, man. What was uh, the experience like meeting all the other students from the other ERCs? So... Um, I'm going to say something that I think is a good lesson for me and everybody else. <laughs> okay. Because the f- the, w- for e- the students were two per ERC. It was the mm-hmm. president of the student leadership council and then the perfect pitch competitor. Mm-hmm. So they were like only two per, per ERC. And I got there the first day of the meeting and the, all the presidents were talking, giving speeches and stuff. And then they were passing around this uh, piece of paper to write your email so they could get in contact for the future. And this guy, that he was really nice. But at the end of the trip, at the beginning of the trip, I didn't like him that much. Because he gave me a piece of paper and said, oh, write your name. And I was, yeah, I write that, but I'm a perfect pitch competitor. And he was, oh, no, 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 then don't don't write anything because you are not a president. I'm like, well, but I would like to, oh, no, sorry, sorry. And he took the paper from me. I'm like, that's not very nice. <laughs> so, but then I get to know him very well. So, and he was from Berkeley or something like that. They were like Stanford, Berkeley, Harvard. So, as I said before, you think that you are below these people, you know, these nice schools. It's intimidating with the big names. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And but at the end of the trip, after I won, and we went all out for dinner, drinks, and stuff. And they all, this guy, for example, was so nice to me all the time. And he was Pablo. Was really great to meet you. And people from whatever the university was just one more person like me. So I kind of that was my main takeaway from the whole trip that doesn't matter where you are in school or where you're from that we are all sort of the same way and even though at first I think intimidating you shouldn't be intimidated by those things it's really interesting uh, yeah going to these all ERC meetings because um, already just being part of say the Quest ERC it's like an eight university conglomerate and you feel ah, I'm just one student out of all these but then you begin to bond with all the other graduate students and then you realize, oh wow, NSF and DOE have put together 20 more, 20 some more of these um, collaborations all across the U.S. Yeah. And yeah, you begin to realize that it's really a joint effort in the scientific community and totally. it's really neat. I Yeah, I love the experience and actually to see that everybody's working for something different. Like we work with Solani, some people work with cybersecurity, as you said, and many things. Uh, but we are looking to make this world a little better. And it doesn't matter what you do, we just have the same values and same belief that we can make this world better, a better place. So we're not here for our own gain, just for the, better good, the greater good. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks to Pablo. PodQuest is a project by the graduate students of the Quest ERC. For more information on Quest, visit quest.asu.edu. That's quest.asu.edu. Quest is funded by the National Science Foundation and the U.S. Department of Energy. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material 
are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Science Foundation or Department of Energy. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time.